Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest drivers, trends and movements in livestock, grain and oil seed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening in to episode number 169, where we are talking global grain and oilseed markets this week, because what's a week in the grain market without Ukraine and Russia tensions threatening to cause a bit of chaos? And that's just one aspect at play at the moment. As we look ahead to what sort of stock balances we are going into the new season with, whether China is still the big demand story, and just generally how the fundamentals are placed for canola and wheat. And to share all this wonderful insight with us, I have Mark Tully with me today. Mark is a senior analyst in Nutrien's global research team based in Calgary. So he has his eyes on the ground for us, watching the conditions and crop progress in Canada during the cropping season, but is also well across what's happening in the global trade. So I'm very pleased to have him joining me today for the podcast. And just before we dive into the episode, though, a quick recap on local markets. Initially, there were concerns from buyers over the size of this week's wool offering, and they were evident in the steady market on the opening day, but concerns were definitely blown away on the final day as buyers competed really strongly to fill new orders, and the eastern market indicator improved 15 cents over the week. Young cattle markets actually took a bit of a turn this week as weaker Queensland restocker demand was evident. Slaughter rates for lamb, sheep and cattle are still tracking well below levels of this time last year as those worker shortages in the processing sector are limiting capacity. We are seeing lamb producers respond to this though and the price volatility is causing by holding back their stock so there were improvements across lamb and sheep markets. And unfortunately it might be a bit of time before we see those issues resolved. We'll get underway with the episode now. I hope you enjoy this one with Mark Tully. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision making, or accounting services and business software solutions, ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more. It's our pleasure to welcome you to Commodity Conversations today, Mark. It's a first time, I think, on the podcast, but you're a go-to source of intel for our team here on the global grain market. So thanks for coming on to share what you've got with our listeners today. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me and uh, excited to participate and uh, put, uh, put the intel on paper, I guess, to some extent. Beautiful. Well, we've just had Australia Day here, so probably a pretty fitting place to start is to talk up the season that our growers have had. So we're we're at the tail end of the winter crop harvest, a big year as far as quantity goes. Uh, Quality, not so great in the end, but overall very happy growers with the prices and production. But our growers are now turning their attention to next season and uh, the Canada situation has been an important one this season and will be next. So, Mark, how are things looking for the Canadian grower for the season ahead? 
Yeah, uh, so we're in the heart of winter right now, uh, having a bit of a mild stretch, which is a nice break, but um, we're expecting some more cool weather as we get into February and parts of March. So at this stage of the game, we're, we're deep in winter and people are just kind of preparing for the next crop season in Canada. Through the end of December, I, I guess thinking back to last year, it uh, certainly was a major drought in Western Canada that growers had to deal with. And through the end of December, I, I, drought conditions remain in the prairies. Uh, we continue to see how the snowfall develops here in Western Canada to help recharge that soil moisture as we head into spring. I think there's been some gradual drought improvement, but to date the precipitation uh, probably has not made up all the deficits that were left out there in, from last growing season. Uh, I guess the plus side is there's still several months between now and spring planting and, and even more before the crop reaches key phases of development. So plenty of time for us to maybe catch up on some of that precipitation. Uh, for those that don't know, seeding begins in Western Canada, uh, usually in late April, early May, and then progresses through the month of May and into early June. And then uh, that's the heart of the growing season after that. And harvest begins kind of in the mid-August range. And depending on how much rain we get that keeps combines out of the field, uh, usually wrap up harvest sometime in mid to late October. So in terms of what we're looking for from uh, the growing season in Canada, it'd be precipitation really during Q2, Q3 that's gonna dramatically impact uh, the yields for 2022. Right. And you, you mentioned there, Mark, about uh, the drought last season. And so I'd imagine that cash flow for Canadian growers was poor last season. And now we've got the situation where input costs are really high. So do you think that's going to have a bit of an impact on next season's crop? I think it certainly can. Like, I mean, I don't want to underplay how significant the drought was for a lot of Western Canadian growers. For many parts of the prairies, it was, you know, uh, one of the 10 worst or five worst uh, years in terms of the, the lack of precipitation and the amount of heat uh, that, that they faced during the growing season. Um, so I, that absolutely did, I think, impact total returns uh, for many growers. Um, I think it does matter what crop you were growing. Uh, some, some crops were a little bit uh, hardier than others. Um, and there's regional opportunities. Some regions actually did pretty well from a precipitation perspective, but certainly some spots uh, struggled. Um, I think on top of that, you know, one thing that was beneficial, I guess, is prices really picked up during harvest, you know, because of how uh, poor the yields were and how tight the, the supply and demand fundamentals were in Western Canada. So I, I do think the strong pricing probably helped alleviate some of that. The other thing I think to keep in mind is if we go back a season to 2020, uh, that was a really strong season for the Western Canadian grower. So although 2021 was uh, a challenge, uh, they probably do have some support from the prior growing season as well uh, as we head into 2022. Um, but yeah, I do think that with the way input prices have gone, when we think of where fertilizer prices are today, uh, crop chemical prices are today, and certainly seed with where uh, crop commodity prices are, uh, you're going to see, I think, some uh, reduced returns relative to where the crop prices are for the Western Canadian grower. And I think that can maybe impact uh, some of the folks out there as they think about their 2022 planting intentions and decisions.
And does that have a big impact on what they do intend to plant for next season? I mean, here we're very um, stuck on rotations to a degree, but is that the case in Canada as well or different? Well, I do think that when we, we look at the crop prices that are out there today, they're pretty attractive for the grower. So I do think that when, when we look at, um, you know, the decisions that the grower has to make, they're going to benefit from the potential opportunity, even though there are higher input prices. Uh, I do think that the return is, is still favorable when we look at where crop prices are. Uh, but in terms of, I think, the decision making uh, similar story to what you folks deal with. I think crop rotation is going to be part of the story. I mean, we anticipate maybe a little less canola is planted, even though the canola prices are so good because of those rotations. But I think additionally, because that if you look across the board, whether it's canola or wheat or, you know, pea prices and other pulse prices, uh, soybeans, um, really the, it, all the commodities look pretty attractive. So I think there's going to be some competition there amongst crops when it comes to the decision-making process for the Western Canadian grower. Yeah. I want to talk for a second about canola. Um, what can you tell us about the fundamentals for canola, Mark? Because we're looking already at another big planting here. So it's going to be a big, important part of, of the season ahead for us. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, when we look where canola prices are today and when we look where canola futures are into 2022, that the fundamentals are pretty strong at the moment. And a few things I'd point to uh, is first, the production shortages in 2021 in Western Canada were extreme. You, I mean, yields are probably about half of what you'd anticipate them to be. Um, so that left stocks quite tight, both uh, domestically and globally, um, which is going to be supportive for those canola prices. On top of that, I think when we look at oil seeds as a whole and vegetable oils, uh, the, the supply and demand fundamentals for other crops like soybeans and palm oil remain tight. And I think that's going to continue to provide some support to canola as well. Um, you know, we've got the story of the South American drought conditions that are impacting Brazilian soybeans. Um, palm oil stocks have been tight uh, due to production challenges in Southeast Asia with weather and COVID-related la uh, labor issues. And then on top of this, I think we've got some positive demand stories that have developed, you know, a uh, uh, return to more normal fuel use, uh, longer-term interest in rene renewable biodiesels that's providing support to the veg oil complex. And China continues to be active in the marketplace as well. So um, when I look at it and take it a step back and kind of think about the global supply and demand factors in the marketplace, I think the fundamentals look pretty good for canola at the moment. Yeah, so canola outlook's still looking good. I mean, we'll be watching for the Canada and, and Europe harvest. They'll be the ones to watch for next year. But a strong outlook, but more broadly looking at grain and oilseed markets, the story, as you mentioned there, Mark, but still China being the influencer. And we've also got Russia at play now, but we'll, we'll move on to that one in a minute. But for China, we've seen the, the pig herd rebound, which has been a driver of feed demand and the government's food security goals, which are an interesting factor that's coming into play. And do you think that might change the sort of demand we've been seeing out of China for grain? Well, I certainly think that when we talk about China and food security, it's it's got to be, if not top three, maybe number one 
in terms of priorities for uh, the Chinese government in, in 2022. It's, it's a big focus item. And you mentioned the rebuilding hog herd and what that has kind of done in terms of demand for feed grains. And I, I think ultimately when we look at where China's consumption levels are for grains is they've outpaced domestic production and they have a, a production uh, consumption deficit that's developed in the country and they've been going to the market um, and purchasing significant volumes uh, of, of grains and oil seeds to, to meet that domestic demand. Um, so in my mind, I, I do think that the food security focus is going to continue to be um, a, a, a top priority for China. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to look for ways to increase domestic production. We've seen those sort of news reports coming out of China around uh, some potential acreage shifts, but also uh, the potential adoption of gene edited and genetically modified seed getting uh, brought into production in China to help increase those yields and allow for new input technologies to support that production. Um, but ultimately, I do think that China is going to have to continue to come to uh, the trade or, or the global trade marketplace here to to import um, grains and oil seeds at significant volumes to to kind of catch up on that deficit. Yeah, it seems, Mark, that you know, while they're focusing on supply and ramping up their own production and, you know, have these very um, significant goals around what they want their supply to look like, demand is also picking up at the same pace or if not greater, especially with the rebound in the hog herd and the focus on protein supply. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think that when you look at um, the rebound in the hog herd, I think they've sort of, uh, I think reached a more normal hog herd headcount, um, and that and that volume of of hogs demands, you know, whether it's the meals or the grains, at a, at a significant volume. And you know, one of the other things that we talk about is China has um, removed any kind of uh, feed waste or other types of products that are non-commercial. A feed as a source for, um, you know, feeding that herd. So I think it does add a little bit increased pull on that um, grain and, and oilseed demand as well relative to history. Yeah, and what about the other story that's capturing all the headlines at the moment, Mark, which is Russia and the, the tensions at the border there and the potential impact that that might have on the grain market? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, that's certainly the big story at the moment. And I think it's important to maybe put into context, uh, you know, how, how big a deal Russia and Ukraine are from a global trade perspective for um, primarily grains, but also some oil seeds. You know, I think of Russia is the largest exporter of wheat in the world. Uh, Ukraine is the fourth largest corn exporter. Um, you know, Ukraine exports over 20 million metric tons of wheat uh, and that largely goes to the Middle East and Africa, which is in high demand of those uh, grains at the moment. Um, there's a number three canola exporter, uh, and I think they're the top corn exporter to China as well. So um, this region as a whole, like Russia and the Ukraine combined, are nearly 30% of world wheat exports. So uh, if if 
there's logistical challenges for those crops coming out of those countries. Um, it has ripple effects to uh, global ag trade, which is uh, incredibly important. Yeah, and we've seen that already, you know, start to build a risk profile into the grain market uh, over the last month since we've been hearing more reports out of there, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen stronger wheat prices and corn prices that have followed because of those uh, concerns. And I think, you know, if there is some kind of conflict that develops between Russia and Ukraine, the risk that the market's trying to price in is, will grains be able to uh, be re- reach ports and traded to global markets? And mm-hmm. I don't know, right? I, I think it's a logistical challenge that we'd have to overcome. Um, and it's unclear whether that would be a a major driver or not, whether they'd be able to get the the grains out. I think it's just an uncertainty that, uh, you know, they're trying to wrap their head around. A diplomatic resolution still seems to be on the table. So perhaps it's something that uh, we don't have to deal with ultimately, but uh, it's certainly one that we potentially could. And the market's definitely trying to, to price that in at the moment. Yeah, one of our analysts says often that a week can be a very long time in the grain trade. And I think it's situations like this where that definitely comes to light and is true. Um, So in summary, Mark, for our growers that are looking ahead to next season's crop, I know there's a long way to go now, but what are the forecasters saying that we should expect in overall terms of like global supply and demand balance for crops like wheat? Yeah, I think maybe what I would take it back to is what have we seen over the last couple of years? And I think ultimately we've had some growing season challenges in a number of key regions that have let let us into really a, a tighter supply situation heading into 2022. So whether it was the drought in Western Canada, the drought in parts of uh, the United States, uh, the, the lack of production out of Russia in 2021, um, Brazil's corn and soybean issues, uh, or the, the challenges in the Middle East and Africa. It's, you know, you can point almost anywhere on the globe, it seems like over the last couple of years, and they've had some weather related challenges that have impacted overall production and that's tightened supply. At the same time, uh, I think we've seen some really strong demand in the marketplace. We touched on China. Um, we've touched on, I think, some of those export restrictions that have come into the marketplace to try and fight domestic inflation. Uh, we've, we've touched on um, this rebound in fuel use and this potential uh, growth in biofuel markets. Uh, and one thing maybe we didn't touch on earlier, but there's also been that stockpiling piece that's come with COVID where countries are trying to make sure they have reasonable supplies available in the case of logistical challenges. So I think there's been this really strong demand in the marketplace and, and tighter than expected supply. And so as we head into 22, that's sort of the uh, the historical precedent that we're heading in with is just some, some tighter S&Ds across most of the key row crops. And so as we head into 2022, the market's certainly looking for that opportunity to rebuild those supplies, try and have all of these major regions achieve uh, trend or above trend yields and more normal production. Um, We'll have to wait and see, but I think what that does do is it puts pressure on those weather related challenges that could come up in 2022. And we could see more fuel added to the, uh, to the markets as a result, if those come, 
our way. But uh, I do think if, if uh, across the board, we are able to achieve more normal production, we will start to see some rebuilding of global stocks in a number of these key grains and oil seeds. Well, Mark, as always, your insight has been great and much appreciated. I'm sure our listeners will have appreciated it. And we thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Always fun to have a chat. Good. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription, which will give you full access to all our archive of reports, as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again. And until next week, take care. Thank you.